This is episode 56 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 56 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Kyle Ford and Chelsea Middleton on the show, and they are some of the most exceptional real estate investors that I've ever had on the show. Uh, they're just go-getters. The ideas that come out of them, the creativity, uh, and, and just the hustle. I, I just loved this conversation. We really dug into the weeds about marketing for vacation rentals. We dug into specific mortgage financing structures for multifamily deals, for single family deals for doing burrs that's the buy renovate rent refinance repeat model talked about it a lot on this podcast um, Kyle's a mortgage broker by trade he is a savvy real estate investor Chelsea is in the design business with a marketing background they make an incredible team as an investor couple and you're just going to love this this uh, episode. I really shouldn't say any more. Just a quick bit of housekeeping. The next Greater Hamilton REI meetup is happening on Thursday, March 19th. If you're not already in our private group, please find the link to that in the show notes for this episode and add yourself. The event link will be posted to the announcement section of the group. These events are constantly the highlight of my month. I love having the opportunity to talk to fellow investors and share and help each other learn and grow. And I know you're going to get a lot of value out of it if you attend and you are, in fact, interested in growing your own real estate portfolio. So please just make sure that you do add yourself an RSVP so that we can keep our venue apprised of our numbers. Without further ado, here is episode 56. Yes, we're all the way at 56 with Kyle Ford and Chelsea Middleton. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Kyle Ford and Chelsea Middleton on the episode. And I got that right, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Andrew. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming. Um, you guys drove up from Kitchener. 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 Yep. Yeah. So in about 45 minutes, I guess. Yeah. It was no traffic. Today. No traffic. <laughs> Take the old Highway 6. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a pretty cool episode. We were uh, We were talking at a real estate networking event a few weeks back and spilling all the beans and I'm like save this for the show uh, so for those uh, for those who aren't familiar with with Kyle um, and Chelsea working as a team doing uh, multifamily uh, multifamily burrs so when you buy fix renovate and refinance a multifamily property you guys are working on a 10 unit I think we're gonna talk about that yep yep yeah and uh, then you also have vacation rentals that you are crushing it with systematically um, dotting your eyes crossing your T's and we're gonna dig into all the details so uh, before I say any more, if you guys could just kind of maybe we'll start with you, Kyle, tell me a little bit about what you do, and then we'll uh, we'll have Chelsea kind of share her piece of the of the puzzle, and we'll we'll go from there. Great, great. I, I started in real estate uh, really in March 2015. Got into single family rentals, uh, fixed them up, uh, re-rented them out, uh, moved into small multifamily stuff. Uh, three units specifically, triplexes, buying some underperforming stuff, doing mostly clean patch paint. Pretty light renovations, fixing them up, uh, turning the tenants over, increasing the revenue. Uh, got into flipping houses, uh, accidentally bought my first cottage, uh, and what, what kind of went from there, and then got into the bigger multifamily stuff, as well as uh, a different type of money lending, private lending, that type of stuff. Yeah, you're a mortgage broker or agent as well? Yes, my mortgage agent as well, yep. Okay, and were you? when did you get into that? Uh, so I I actually, in, uh, in 2012... I was licensed as a financial advisor. Uh, so I started on, on the more conventional side of things. Uh, so mutual funds, life insurance, the classic pay down your mortgage, uh, that type of that 
side of the business. And I was really enlightened to a lot of the things that didn't work. And I was looking at the people that I thought were in a great financial position doing things that way. And I was running their retirement calculations and I didn't like what I saw. So, uh, that's why I started investing in real estate. And then fast forward to about 2017, two years into real estate. Uh, that's when I got my mortgage license, uh, just looking to, to, to understand more and be able to monetize the advice I was giving to friends and family about how to get started in real estate. So that was 2015 you, were, you did that? So 2015, uh, it was 2017 when I got licensed. Oh, wow. Yeah. You haven't wasted any time? <laughs> no, no. Okay, so uh, in interesting story. So Chelsea, tell me a little bit about your your start. Yeah, so I actually started uh, mainly flipping um, and that's when uh, Kyle and I met. Uh, we flipped our first house together after two weeks of dating. Uh, <laughs> so that's an interesting story. You bought the first flip in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. So um, she qualified for financing, so it worked out well. <laughs> yeah. So we started out that way, and then um, started getting into buying the cottages and um, doing some of the like the short term rentals on those. And um, I pretty much I, I, I'm a designer as well, an interior designer. Okay. So I help with all, all the projects that. Um, Kyle works on um, helping with the design part of it and then also running all of the uh, short-term rental Airbnb um, cottage rentals as well. Are you still an active designer? Yeah, I actually have a home staging business. So I'm, okay. I'm a home stager, um, interior designer as well. Um, okay, so you when did you start working full-time in that field? Um, I would say it was about two and a half years ago. Okay. And were you, so the, the first property you flipped, oops, the first property you flipped, was that with Kyle or you had already flipped before? Um, I'd kind of done like not really traditional flip, like a, I would live in the house and renovate it and, and then sell it, that kind of thing. Um, but the first like true house that I flipped was with Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So it's She contagious. kept wanting to move into it. Yeah. She's like, don't we need to move into it? Don't yeah. we need to move into it? Like, no, no, no. We're just flipping it. So. And was that your first flip as well? Or you had already done that? That was my second, yeah, flip. second. second flip. Oh, that's a, that's a happy little uh, circumstance you find yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. How did, uh, how did you two meet? Uh, the, how did we met through a real estate uh, education company? Oh, okay. Ch so Ch it was yep. Chelsea was working for them at the time. Uh, and I was doing some <laughs> consulting for them as well. Uh, she was, she was posting, uh, she was the one who scheduled me for events and, uh, I just sent her an email. We started connecting and yeah, what kind of went from there. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So let's, uh, let's give some context cause we're going to throw around some big numbers of units. We're going to throw around, uh, lots of dollars and cents. What does your portfolio look like right now? So it's, uh, we have 25, 25 doors on the long-term rental side. Uh, as well as six uh, six cottages uh, that I'm not including in that. Those are the okay. short-term rentals, uh, as well as we have a pre-construction condo uh, and a new house as well that we're building as well. That's for personal? That's personal. Yeah. 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 We, were, uh, we actually were building it to put an Airbnb in the basement, uh, and we found out Chelsea was pregnant. <laughs> uh, so we are now changing that from an Airbnb to an in-law, and my mom's going to be moving in to help us out. Because we need some help. <laughs> we're busy. <laughs> Well, congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. So you're open to the house hack situation. Absolutely. Our current, we currently live in a duplex. Uh, it's a modest uh, 1,100 square foot duplex um, in Kitchener. And we rent out the basement apartment of that. Yeah. Uh, the Airbnb in that unit uh, averages, nets us about $2,500 a month. That covers all of our housing costs. So you so, live for free more or less. We live for free. 
Do you do your own cleaning on the unit or do you have somebody come in and, and clean it all? Um, I do have somebody that comes in and cleans it just so that I can be a little bit more hands off. Uh, there are times where if I know I'm going to be home, I just I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it. It's not, not yeah. a big deal. But obviously, that's not like the long term plan <laughs> for that. Right. I don't really want to always be doing that. But and, and the yeah. short term rentals where we don't live above it, we always hire it out. Always, yeah. Chelsea never does that. Just the one in the house that she sometimes yeah. does. Well, yeah. if you're there, I get it. Like sometimes you just year around anyway um I, I get that how that can happen it happens to me with video editing <laughs> well, i'm here <laughs> i do have somebody who can help me might as well just work on it um yeah this is a tricky thing to navigate so that's quite a bit i mean what would you say at a high level before we dig in because just to kind of conceptualize how you got to well 31 doors and roughly what five years of of being active for i yep. guess we, we just clicked over to 2020 so um, what, what would you say was the secret sauce there? Did you have uh, an advantage getting started or just good mentors or a combination? A uh, com- combination of everything. I invested in education. I invest- invested in mentorship uh, right out of the gate to surround myself with the right people. Uh, and then right from the beginning, I took the approach of taking a smaller piece of the bigger pie. So I, that, what I mean by that is partners, joint venture partnerships, using private lending to acquire deals that were I kind of use the term punching out of my weight class, getting into properties that I would have never qualified for using my line 150 of my T1 general. Yeah. So getting creative on the financing to allow me to kind of go into properties that were what some people might think is out of their reach. Okay. Yeah, that's that's smart too. If you can kind of connect with other people and you, you pool your resources and you're able to do a bigger deal. Um, sometimes that small piece of a big pie can be really, really worth it. That's right. Especially when you're getting into big buildings, yes. which might be a, a nice little segue for us now to, to talk about. So you gave us a figure of, I think you said 25 doors, yep. including the 10 unit That's that you just bought? including the 10, yeah. So tell me the story. So we, when we were talking the other day, I'm like, no, save this for the podcast yeah. <laughs> uh, because I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I want to have the enthusiasm, but now I forget some of the details. So we'll, we'll relive it. Okay. Uh, tell me about it. So uh, we purchased the building January 4th of 2019, so so last year. Uh, when we bought that building, it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't a secret. Like It was on the market for a couple months. It was overpriced. The listing agent had no numbers. Like They might as well have been written on a napkin. So this, this property was uh, well under market rents and not in good condition. So when the, the other challenge with the building was is the seller wanted you to be firm in two weeks. Commercial financing, you know that's Andrew. It's not happening. Three months would be would be <laughs> yeah. a success story. Yes, exactly. So um, what we we went in. Everyone else was evaluating it based on a cash flow metric. Uh, I have I evaluated it purely on a cost per unit. I, I knew I could get it at 130 cost per unit. I have appraisals of smaller units at 250 per unit, yeah. and I knew it would cost me 50 to 70 thousand to do it. So just high level quick math, yeah. I calculated a half a million in profit just the first day. Yeah, so let's let's dig into that a bit further. Okay. Um, when you value multifamily buildings, for those listening, watching at home, um, ca- appraisers want to use a cap rate. Mm-hmm. Banks want to use a cap rate, which is basically a rate of return on your operating income. Uh, when you have really bad rents, sometimes you can't really value a building that way. That's why you'll see houses in Hamilton or buildings in Hamilton trading at a two percent, or in Toronto at like a one and a half percent. It doesn't make logical sense, and the bank won't finance it. But it's still worth something if somebody such as yourself, Kyle and Chelsea, working together here, um, can come in and, and add some value. Yep. 
And why don't you tell me about your strategy to add value? So we, we went into the building uh, right out of the gate. We had uh, we had our inspector, we had an engineer and a home inspection report out of the day out of the gate that um, indicated some problems. We had the tenants uh, let, let us know of all the issues that they had in the units as well. Uh, we came to the conclusion that it just was not possible to do the rehab on the building, working around the people that were in, working around the current tenants. So the concern here in Ontario is how do you get the tenants out? Uh, the N13 construction, uh, you, as, as a landlord, you have the right to do an N13 construction notice, which is a 120 day notice. What that means on a commercial property is you have to give three months of free rent plus the last month rent. Oh, you have to give it for free. Free. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. you give them the notice and you're like, you're free from here on out. Yeah, exactly. So now the, now the, the, the risk on that is that the tenant can come back at the same market rent. You can do an increase though, right? You, you like, can do an increase. You can take it to tribunal. You can f- say, listen, I've done major renovations. I've done major uh, changes and you could fight for an above market increase. Increase, But it still won't be anywhere near what, what market rent is. 100%. It's not going to be what market rent is. So when we went in, we served that notice. Um, and then once the tenants had accepted the fact that they did have to leave, yeah. um, they were much more negotiable to a cash for yeah. keys offer. So what I do want to say when you do this strategy is, is a lot of people like to go in right out of the way and cut the corner of the N13. Yeah. Uh, but that's where you're going to get your name in the newspaper on this kind, kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so what we we treated the tenants with dignity and respect right from the gate. We gave them as much notice as we could. My property manager helped relocate. I think we relocated five of nine and three of the other tenants actually bought houses. So it was, you know, though one, though the one tenant might not agree that it was a success story. All in all, I think it went pretty well. Yeah. Um, and the all, all we got one unit vacant, nine of the ten units, uh, all signed N nines. Yeah. So a lot of people go for the N eleven, which is the mutual release. We got the tenant to sign the tenant release, so that they couldn't come back and say they were coerced later to sign a yeah. mutual release. Quick note on that strategy, and this is brilliant because we were talking about this the other day. I loved it. Um, you do get, they have to leave. They know that. You're investing in that to begin with. Yep. But then you're saying, well, look, you're already leaving. Why don't we just, you know, get you settled somewhere else? Because I really don't know how long this is going to take. It could be a year, could be a year and a half, could be six months. I don't know. Yep. Um, so why don't we just get you settled in a new place here? How, how you know, let's work it out. I'll, I'll give you what, 2000 bucks or how much were you giving them typically? So on average, the total cost was close to in the thirty five forty $40,000 range, but that includes the three months of free rent. So that's about, and they were almost a thousand dollars a unit. So that was about $3,000. Uh, and then we also about a thousand dollars in cash. Okay. So a thousand bucks when you're shaking hands at the end was enough. Yeah. And yeah. what we actually negotiated as well is we let the tenants know that we were concerned about some of the foundation issues and the spring melt. So we said, if they can get out sooner than the four months, we'll advance that what would have been a free month back in cash because it gets us in the units a little bit sooner. Oh, okay. So a couple of them took advantage of that and basically they got more instead of the free month's rent, they took cash to be out sooner than the the four months they were given can you get away with that i guess as long as they sign the n9 it's a it's a tenant agreement so the yeah. tenant agreed to it we we yeah. did not force them they had their full four months yeah. but we incentivized them yeah. by saying if you can be out a little bit sooner instead of taking the free rent you're going to get cash 
and you already had the N13 signed at that point. It was okay. Hey, I have an N9 here and uh, we can e-transfer you as soon as we've got this signed. Exactly. Uh, so it's all on the up and up, all legal, and you're allowed to give incentives. Because yep. I had some confusion around that originally, too. I didn't know if you're allowed to. And then I've heard it talked about even on CBC. And they're like, yes, it's totally legal to do this if, yep. it's, if it's mutually agreed. The tenant has the right to choose. Yeah. They can choose to accept a cash for keys compensation. Yeah. So That's just fantastic. You know, I got to say, like, as I told you before, and I, I know the people who listen to this, like, they know... I've been so concerned with the getting tenants out, right? To me, I say this a lot, uh, knowledge mitigates risk, control mitigates risk. Mm -hmm. And when I feel like I'm not in control of what the tenant can do and the tenant can control me, that's where it it made me less comfortable. But when you do the N13, the real beauty is they can't say no, no matter what that building is getting fixed. Yep. Provided they're not in the middle of a lease, right? Like if they're in the middle of a lease term, then how do you do it? I, I, as far as my understanding is you have to wait till the end of the lease. Yeah, so then you you're waiting, right? So if you're buying a building, and I was looking at one where the, the property manager was trying to sell it and they just filled up all the units and it needed extensive work done. Right. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You just ruined this deal. Yeah. Putting brand new tenants and now we got to wait a year. Then we got to get them all out and pay them. Yeah. And so... Time is time is money when when you're dealing in private money. That that's right. And just just a couple of things to tie back to the the tenant side is you, you got to make sure that if you when you give that notice if you say you're going to take exactly a year, yeah. now tenants are in a position where they're going to sign a one year lease somewhere yeah. else and then can come back. So I recommend never saying a year six six to eighteen months is kind of what, what I would say um, on, on that side. And then the. Uh, the other thing too is people want to start fixing the units up back right fixing units right away. Yeah. If you have if you have units fixed and ready to go, you now have to offer the tenant a comparable unit. Yeah. So what we did is we actually just stri- and there were some other foundation and structural repairs that we had to do too, which is the other reason why we waited, but we stripped the units down and we left them so there was no debate about whether they could move into another unit. So you didn't need to offer them because they weren't done and they you weren't, weren't going to finish them. You're buying your time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's just awesome. Who, who'd you guys finance it with? Uh, the property was 100% financed out of an RRSP. Okay. So you being in the mortgage world, you, did you find your own, your own lender? I did. An, an individual. I did. An individual guy. He had the full $1.3 million purchase price inside his RRSP. So $1.3 million purchase, he funded the whole thing because he likes you, trusts you. What about your construction funds? So we got a, we got a second and a third mortgage for construction financing, and we used about 200000 of our own cash uh, that we pulled from another property later on in the renovation. Okay. When this deal came across my plate, I, didn't, I wasn't liquid. I didn't have the funds to do it. So this type of creative financing was the only way I could get into the deal. This is a theme. So I just launched Jordan's episode on the... Uh, on the uh, the big, uh, the big deal that she did. I think I told you, uh, the, yeah. she bought for a million million in, and then they got appraised at 3.8 million. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about another deal, maybe not as big in numbers, but you're still buying similar price point, uh, adding a ton of value. So how did your numbers look on this? So we purchased for 1.3, uh, we're into it for approximately, we're still ironing out some final cost here, but we're into it for about a million dollars, a little bit over. Um, and that includes carrying. That includes uh, six. Uh, it's approximately six fifty in renos right now, and four hundred in financing fees, interest costs, and like property tax and all that stuff too. Yeah. So reno six hundred, and then you've got uh, carrying. You say four hundred, and are you seeing 
Are you seeing the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel here? Are you almost in a position to, to refinance this with a bank? Yeah, we are at eight of 10 full right now. Okay. Uh, so we have two units left to fill. Um, I'm going to go through the CMHC appraisal process to get the building CMHC assured, but I'm uh, in the process of getting bridge financing on this right now. Um, the, the appraiser that I've been talking to, he's seeing no lower than 3 million as the value. So we're going to be pushing for a higher value closer to the 3.5 mark. But the three the three million is our is our low end on the appraisal. So very similar then to, to Jordan's deal. Yeah. So your numbers are, are very similar. Yeah. So so to purchase and improve, you are about two point three million. So it was one point three purchase, but it was about one point three five with closing costs. Oh okay. and about so a million we'll, fifty. So it's about two point four we're into it total. Okay. So a million fifty. A million fifty. Six fifty for Renault's four hundred for Oh okay. Six fifty for Renault's. So, yeah. Get my numbers I'm straight. Giving, I'm giving myself a little bit of a buffer, buffer here. Cause, yeah, because yeah. you know you still got a bit more to pay, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not quite yeah. there. Got a, fi- a couple of final invoices to, to settle yeah. up here. In, so so $2.4 million in. Uh, you're going to try and get it done with a Schedule A bank, CMHC insured, I guess. Maybe not a Schedule A bank. Not but Schedule A, yeah. Looking at some of the trust companies right now. Like a, like a First National? or First National. Computer Share funds a lot of these. So computer share, I thought they were administrator. I didn't realize that they were their own trust company. Yeah, so I, I, that that part I'm still a little bit confused at because I'm going through first nat. Uh, a friend of mine, Paul, who just did one of these, said his lender came in and through in as computer share. So yeah, the, so so my understanding is they're a, a mortgage administrator. So all these trust companies don't really know anything about administering mortgages, so right. they use a computer share. If if that's correct, I don't know for sure that's correct. But I see it when I search title. Sometimes I see computer share. I'm like, that is not an actual bank or trust company. Yeah. So I, I'm learning that part okay. too. So I'm still going through that process. Yeah, so. I was always so confused by that uh, mortgage broker geeking out right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got 2.4 million in. You're figuring maybe 3.4. 3.5 yeah i i i'm thinking my appraisal is going to land in the 3.2 to 3.3 million range that's where i, I feel that uh we're gonna we're gonna land okay so let's just see let's just say it was 3.2 mm-hmm. and if you're gonna get what do you figure you can get 75 percent? yeah or even I, more if 80. i'm going cmhc my dcr ratio works at the 85 percent loan to value i'm at a one one three five i think Okay, so again, we're getting geeky with mortgage mortgage terminology here. We're gonna we're gonna dig back into that in a second here, but hypothetical because this is still hypothetical at the moment. Yeah. We'll, we'll simplify it. So that's a new mortgage of two point seven two million. When you're in for two point four, which means that you've got money to play with. So uh, take out. You're gonna you're gonna not only be in to the building with nothing. You're gonna have a takeout of let's just see hypothetical at the moment. Of course, about three hundred twenty thousand. Sound about right? Yep. Chelsea, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a, well, I think that it's going to be into the the beach beachfront development is, is yeah. what we're doing with that. Yeah. Yeah. So beach development. Yeah. Yeah. You have a beach development. Is this different from what we've already talked about? I actually I saw you building a house on on Grand Bend, right? Grand yeah. Bend, yeah. We own a football field in Grand on the Grand Bend beach <laughs> that we're going to be developing the property. We're looking at uh, the original plan was to build like a a, a a pretty substantially sized beach house, yeah. but we're actually looking up. But there's a potential to do a four unit condo on the property. Okay, which we're we're kind of kicking around right now. I just don't know if the timelines are going to work. We yeah. might stick with our original plan. So, okay, so let's before we jump into that because <laughs> I mean, good God, this is at least two three episodes of stuff. No, I really like it. Um, so we we might have to to break this down, but I think 
for for this specific thing because i what i did is i posed some questions to my instagram followers this morning saying hey we're gonna we're gonna basically nerd out on mortgages later on and uh you know what 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 do you have questions on so one of the questions of course is financing more than five units which is where we're at right now this whole concept of cmhc insuring an investment property and going to 85 percent has probably got a lot of people scratching their head and saying wait a minute you can't CMHC and insure an investment property. And that's true on the residential side, but it's not true under commercial lending, which is what you're doing. And commercial lending doesn't mean it's a retail store. It doesn't mean it's a dry cleaner or anything like that. It just means that it's more than five units or five or more, depending on the bank. And now it's handled by commercial lending. And that department is is the lovely little land of more is better. And more is more stable as long as you're following the rules. So... 85%, why wouldn't everybody just go grab 85% loan to value um, on these loans? What are the implications to that? Well, the the cost, the total premium is around 5.5%. So some people are looking at it from the consumer lens of yeah. that's a big ticket. The second issue is you have to qualify for it. You have to have really strong income to meet their debt coverage ratios in order to get that 85% loan to value. Yeah. CMHC can be a little bit stingy with this stuff. They're yeah. using some of their, natu- their, their uh, market analysis. And in a building like this, yeah. if you look at CMHC's guideline for income, they say Preston for a three bedroom is a thousand dollars a unit. Okay, I'm getting two thousand a unit. So they're not going to take your two thousand. They're gonna. So they're gonna be there. This is a once again. A, the I mentioned Paul, a friend of mine who went through this. He had five different CMHC appraisers come out and reanalyze his property, which is how he got the higher loan to value because he did a full full empty full re rent. Yeah. So even though they're saying the market rents are this. Well, I have 10 new leases that say that the market rents are actually this. Yeah, so you got to convince the appraiser. Uh, yeah, so they send out their own appraiser. Yes. You don't pay for that. You just pay their fee. Right. So it, it, normally with commercial appraisals, you're going to be into a, about $2,500, $2,000. So it's more than residential. And then you've got, sometimes you got to get other other reports. Did you have to get anything else or are you in the process? And, in the and, process. We got to yeah. go through the environmental. So they're going to make you run a proper phase one environmental. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, could you tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about that? I, I, I'm learning a little <laughs> bit about it myself. If, I, if I'm going to be out front, uh, we had a we had a phase one uh, on the purchase of the property. Uh, that was inc- the seller had that, which yeah. is it wasn't ideal. I would have liked it on my own, but I was comfortable with what I saw. Uh, and we didn't. It wasn't required by my lender. Okay, but when they gave you that, and this is anyone buying commercial, get a phase one. If if the person doesn't have it, you should probably pay for one because. Yeah. If there's contaminants, lenders won't cover you. So they're looking to see if the so that phase one said there was no no obvious issue. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's what you're kind of looking for. If they say recommend phase two, then you got to start thinking. Well, do you have a phase two? And if they don't, if they live down the street from a dry cleaner, or it was a dry cleaner, or it lived down the street from a or the buildings down the street from a gas station, and there was a leak or anything like that, you know, you could have you could have problems. It could be seven figure problems. It's exactly. I heard some crazy stories on that side. So and seven figure opportunity, right? Buying contaminated land. If you're willing to pay for the reports and find out what it takes to clean it up, Carmen did that on a deal, and it's probably her biggest home run. It's a grand slam. It's Amazing. Like, just millions and millions in profit because she was willing to do that on a property. Yep. And, all, the, and the total solution was was not that much, like a hundred or two hundred grand. Yeah, it's all about the numbers, right? Yeah. What's what's the ROI? If the if it makes yeah. sense, then I couldn't agree more. Is there anything else we should cover? You know, average person might not have have a grasp on when it comes to the commercial buying process. We've said it takes a long time. Prepare yourself when you're buying. Uh, Kyle, you and I are on the same page. 
And Chelsea, you're on that page too. Private money's the way to go. Yeah. Usually, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you know what the bank asks for, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the banks are a pain in the butt. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I like to use the analogy now. If you're buying with uh, private money or buying with bank financing, you're working with a shovel while investors are working with a bulldozer. Yeah. And, and not it's not that bank financing doesn't serve a place and there's a time and a place for it. But on acquisition, we are buying everything with private financing now. Yeah. So we can move quickly, acquire properties that don't meet the bank guidelines today. Yeah. And then making value-added improvements so they do meet the bank guidelines later as a clear exit strategy. Yeah, you're really... You're really just moving forward aggressively. And think of the opportunity here, right? Everybody else is trying to figure out, how do I do this with the bank? And you come in and say, I don't need to do this with the bank. (laughs) And then you just come right through. You get the money you need where no one else could figure out how to put the money together. Uh, So being educated in financing, I think going and working as a mortgage agent, although I have to admit, wasn't the funnest thing I ever did. Man, did I ever learn stuff, right? And, And how much have you learned by being in this role, doing this, working with the investors you work with? Um, working under Carmen has been huge for me just because everything with her is private money. And I've seen her make so many millions of dollars in equity just because she was there at the right time and could close fast and, and make it easy on the seller. Yeah. Yeah. And, and working in the industry gives you ideas of guidelines for exit strategy. But I, I, I think people need to know that they don't need to be a mortgage agent to learn this. Uh, trust the numbers. Yeah. Trust your numbers and look at the creative ways that you can acquire a property and then work with a value, a mortgage agent that you trust to, to help get you a, a exit from that private money. Yeah. Work with somebody who knows like this is this is what I say for any deal um, is if, if you pick what you want to do, find the person that's doing that type of deal successfully. Find clients of that person. Uh, you know, if it's a mortgage broker, you're trying to find the right one. Find one that that's constantly getting deals done for people doing exactly what you want to do. And then you work with that person. Make it easy. Don't just go work with somebody who says, I can do this. Yeah, I can do that. Everyone's going to tell you that. Go find the person who did just do it 10 times because yep. then they're not going to have any time doing it, any trouble doing it 11th time. Yep. Um, that, that's, that was like kind of a hard lesson I had to learn because I was with the student rental game getting said no to so much. Eventually, I'm like, well, there's like a million people who just bought student rentals. I'm going to start calling them and find out who they used. Yeah. 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 Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't need to overcomplicate it yeah. sometimes. The, keep the, it simple. Keep yeah. it simple, right? Actually, I'll pull up Instagram just on the commercial topic before we transition because I did have a couple of questions there. Take my phone off airplane mode. <laughs> Tommy Ivanoff. Uh, would be great if we could discuss the fundamentals of financing commercial properties, five plus units. Um, maybe we should do that right now while we're on this topic. So we talked about CMHC financing and how that can be quite expensive. That's five, five and a half percent added onto your mortgage. So you're getting 85% and then they're going to add another 5%. So you're financed over 90% when it's all done. So it's expensive. Yep. Benefit to that would be lower interest rates for the life of that mortgage if you don't touch it. Yep. So when everyone else is getting three and a half, you might get two and a half percent. Yep. Ca- cash out. You're getting you're getting yeah. so much of your cash outs, so your ROI. As long as long as you can debt service that, which yeah. CMHC is going to very much scrutinize. Yeah. You're getting your cash out so you can be moving that to to a better perform or moving it to the next deal, I should say. Right, moving it to the next deal. Absolutely. Like your return on investment is infinity. <laughs> you're pulling money out. Yep. Uh, so that's great. Um, okay, so the other fundamentals normally you're 75% loan to value, but the banks have to make the loan, uh, the ratios work. If they don't work, meaning you don't make enough income, they're going to cut your loan to value back. Yep. And I'm seeing the same thing happen on residential side too. So it's not like it's only commercial. Yep. 
the residential side and in, in say CIBC, for instance, they very much take that approach. Uh, debt coverage ratio, you don't make it. They just cut you right back. Yeah, there's, there's a commercial element to the residential financing yeah. when you have three plus rental properties. Yeah. They're, they're looking at you as a business. Yeah. And if you can't debt service to their guidelines, they're going to yeah. scale you back. What's your what's your standpoint long term? Are you thinking everything on the commercial side going forward? Yeah, yeah. Come, we we can get it in the beginning. It's fine. I, we were never concerned about. I, I I asset protection wasn't really a big thought for me. I, I when I started, I didn't have any assets, so I wasn't <laughs> concerned about that. But going on the commercial side, being able to get things in a company name, be able to to really compartmentalize is, uh, and then also the return. It was scary to think of going commercial to begin with, but the returns are there to support management, to support infrastructure, so I can be a true, so we can be a true investor and not my triplexes. I still need to be a little bit more hands-on to make the numbers work, but oh, okay. but with the commercial properties, there's enough cash yeah. and income that I can really step back. So you're saying the larger number of unit buildings, you're kind of getting economies of scale because yeah. you know, 10, 20 units in one place, you can have the same maintenance guy look after all of them. You can, whereas if you have it, separate properties have separate roofs that need to get done, separate furnaces, centralization is a money, is a cost savings yep. over, over the long run. But in terms of the financing side, uh, it's it's really awesome when you're on commercial side because they're no longer looking at you or the individual so much. Now it's about the individual properties. Yep. Sure, you, the individual, need to have decent credit and you know sustainable income for your own life. But it's they're looking at the business, not you specifically. Yep. So and, and I just want to jump in there, Andrew, because I think you just nailed it. I, I hear so many people come back, come to me saying, uh, "I want to go commercial, so they don't look at me anymore." There's, they still want to see your credit. Yeah. They still want to look at your net worth. They want to make sure that you can put groceries and keep the lights yeah. on the table. And and the other thing they're going to look at is experience. Yes. They're going to ask questions of, resume. have you done this before? Let's yeah. see a resume. Do you, can are you, you're buying a 20 unit building. Who's managing this thing? Are you hiring a professional company? If it's you. Yeah. What are your qualifications? What are your qualifications? And I think, yeah. I think that's part, that conversation is being missed a little bit on the commercial side. So I'm really glad you yeah. brought it up. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, this comes from being in the business. Most people, like if I go to regular uh, networking events, very few people have done this. Very few people have gone that road. They stick to what's, what's most known, which is your standard flip, your standard rental property. And, uh, and obviously that there, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you want to, if you want to crank it up, I think you gotta, you gotta learn the next phase of the, of the puzzle and the next piece of the puzzle. Um, okay. So just, uh, Kellen Panicha said trust companies, uh, you had mentioned trust companies. I think you were talking about, uh, some, some non schedule a banks that are still lending for you, uh, like first national um home trust is another company that i know they're they're a b lender but they will lend on multi-residential yep and and more aggressively right yep so somebody could probably you have to work with a broker but you could work with your broker and skip a lot of the requirements and still close fast yep they're not going to fund your construction but you could you could certainly use them as a as an option and okay so the rest of this stuff is more oriented on single families which will get into um okay so let's move into the airbnb side of things um and chelsea why don't you just kind of take the lead because we can't let kyle do all the talking (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure so yeah um it's funny because we i feel like we always traditionally say when it comes to short-term rentals we just naturally say airbnb as like kind of the go-to you know that's that's what it is but for the most part when i'm doing um cottage rentals it's very, I would say maybe now 
15 to 20 percent actually on Airbnb and the rest I, I, I run that myself uh, doing private bookings. So it's uh, it's actually kind of interesting. We always say Airbnb, Airbnb, but I'm not really actually Airbnb in these cottages um, in these short term rentals. So, yeah. And when you mentioned this to me, I just thought it was so clever. Uh, so why don't you, you tell a little bit about how you're able to get that 80 percent that aren't on Airbnb? Yeah. So I actually I'm all over um, buy and sell groups on Facebook and I'm posting uh, pretty much every day. Um, so I'll join buy and sell groups from all over Ontario, people that I know that would be traveling to our cottages. We we have um, mostly in, in Grand Bend. We do have one um, in Wyerton as well. Um, but for the most part, uh, people are usually traveling about three hours to a cottage or less than three hours. So I join buy and sell groups from all of those areas, uh, you know, Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, Mississauga, Toronto, Kitchener. Um, and so then anywhere I, within three hours, pretty if much. They, if they yeah. can make it, you're, if they you're can make target it. it. Yeah, like I wouldn't go as far as Ottawa because I know nobody's probably not nobody's going to come down. So um, that's kind of my my target market. And then I I do several posts a day, and I get a ton of uh, private bookings from that. So people just message me over Facebook. Okay, so you said a couple of things I really want to dig in on. One is like a basic understanding of marketing and your target customer. I feel like so many real estate investors don't think about their end customer when they're renovating a house, when they're, you know, when they're thinking about one to buy, like, who are you trying to attract here, right? There's so many people say like, oh, I want to buy a student rental. Well, what kind of student would you like to rent to? You're, you're thinking, what kind of person would I like to rent to? Somebody who probably is a professional, yes. works in Toronto, wants to get away, and they might enjoy even you said you even get rentals in the winter. Yeah, which a lot tons. of people are just shutting down in the winter. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people um, when they talk to me about these cottages, they automatically say, well, the winter is a write off. And I'm like, why? Aren't you looking for something to do in the winter? Like as a Canadian, there's there's, you know, rather than going down south to do something Canadian and go to a cottage. Um, you we, can only go to Niagara Falls <laughs> for so many weekends. Yeah. <laughs> right? So like, do yeah. something different. So you just have to make it so that these cottages have things that are that are entertaining for people. So we have uh, the cottage in Wyerton has a hot tub and we we get weekend bookings all through the winter because there's lots of couples that you know want to go and do something different for the weekend there's a hot tub they can relax by the water mm-hmm. um and that that makes it so that it's rentable all year round is there anything else you needed to do like is there like a snowmobile culture there that people you know do they do you get people who are coming up for a snowmobile weekend we, we certainly do we have a lot of especially in the uh wireton area we get a lot of people that are snowmobiling groups um there's people looking for places also that have ice fishing our cottages don't have ice fishing but that doesn't seem to be a problem so it's just really finding like something that people can do that you know is is like wintertime entertainment even if it means just providing some games in the cottage or something like uh, shuffleboard or or ping pong or foosball or something like that so okay chelsea also does some really uh cool things that i uh she posts pictures of hot chocolate yeah. I was about to say, you must take a real, real approach with this being, you know, interior designer, having a flair for, for design and knowing what's appealing. Oh, that's another big yeah. thing, like inter- like the year round rentals as well. And you talk about your who your target audience or your um, target customer is for this. And when we do, we renovate the cottages as well. Right. So we buy them and renovate them. And then then we can get our max max rent throughout the busy season, too. Um, and we really like uh, our one cottage 
uh, we call it Scoot Shack. Scoot's our dog. Uh, <laughs> we we renovated it to be Instagram uh, Insta worthy, basically. Okay. So you know, kind of funky things. I went with like a pineapple theme. There's all these different pineapples and like macrame swing chairs and things that people would want to post on Instagram. And that's kind of what the culture is now. And these you know young people are are planning their vacations around what pictures they can take. Right. So it's all about creating that experience. And that's I feel like that's how we're really winning with these cottages is creating that that really fun experience. That's awesome pictures, that kind of thing. Yes. You're not selling a rental. You're not selling, um, you know, two nights in a in a stay. You're, You're selling a solution, an enjoyable weekend, which has all the things, including selfies, uh, thought of. Yeah. Thought of and and what a difference that is. I mean, thinking about even selling a property to an investor, this is something that I've always said because I just think it's so critical. When people flip properties and they just throw it on the market, I'm like, why not sell it to an investor? Like, why not why not flip a property, put a rental in there, and then or put a renter in there, create cash flow, and then you're no longer selling a property, you're selling a solution to somebody's need for cash flow. So thinking more about the end consumer, thinking about what solution you can bring to them, you guys are like knocking it out of the park uh, with that. That's amazing. Can you do an Airbnb design for me? Sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually funny because, um, like I say, my I have the interior design home staging business and I've kind of made myself a little niche. I actually um, a lot of people approach me to design their Airbnbs. So I I actually stay quite consistently busy with designing people's furnishing people's Airbnbs for them. So, yeah, can we dig a little bit more into how you present it? Like, first off, you have an Instagram page for one of yours. Uh, for for the like, cottages, do any of your cottages or? have Instagram they, pages? I, you know what? I actually just started doing Instagram for the cottages because yeah. I didn't really see that at first. So mostly, it's mm-hmm. just like the Facebook page and and website. But okay, um, so you have a website for them? Yeah, each one. Um, one website for all of them, so I can cross sell. <laughs> That's actually brilliant, yeah. too, because. because it, you're not trying to get people who are already planning on going to Wireton. You're trying to convince them that they should come in the first place. Yes. Oh, man, with, I love that. With Scoot Shack, our, our highest rental one, that one's in Grand Bend, and it's almost full. So when people look, click on it and they say, we want this one, it's booked. Well, below that, there's two more that are under renovation. So the, we haven't even closed on those properties, mm-hmm. and we have several weeks rented this summer yeah. on those two properties based on the the cross sell on the website just because they can see how cool the other one is it's going to look like that you've created the marketing engine to to just do the work for you they go onto the thing so um, when you're posting um, in the group they can click the link you post and it's probably a pretty nice website what is the website uh, so vk like s o v k rentals dot com so s o v a c a y yes dot com very insta yeah <laughs> so vk like southern ontario vacation yeah. rentals dot com Love it. Did you did you have a background in marketing at all? I did. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say you must have. Just the, the way you're thinking about this. Is yeah. You, you know, marketing at the end of the day should be common sense. I think people just complicate things. And when yeah. you study marketing, you learn to simplify things. Totally. Yeah. I went to school for marketing originally. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I sensed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Uh, why don't we run through? Well, I mean, tell me about this Wyerton one, because I know that area. It's pretty remote compared to Toronto. So the fact that you're able to get consistent winter business there is awesome probably going to be inspiring to uh to a few people what uh what do your numbers look like in the winter you're getting weekend uh weekend visits 
Well, December was 3200 3200 yeah. For December, which was pretty good yeah. uh, for December. And then February, what are we around? fifteen to $1,700? We'll, prob- we'll probably be close, like close to 2000 by the time. For February? Yeah. What about January? January was slow. Yeah. And, and that has to do with uh, the, the snow wasn't great up there in January. Okay. So it was kind of that in between so weather. You, you weren't going to draw people very well because of that. So January we were like five hundred bucks or nothing at all. I don't think we were anything in January. No, no. no, no. But February's already booking like crazy because of the snow and so they've got good so. snow now. Yeah, yeah the snowmobilers like they were asking if it's available, but the snow didn't really hit for them. Yeah. So gotcha. Weather dependent. Yeah, yeah. That's that's classic. Okay, so what are we looking at in a typical march what do you figure march would typically look for? or would that be a lower lower month it's probably similar to february honestly okay so maybe yeah. two thousand yeah. in, in march um april what would you think april would be like? a little bit higher probably closer to three okay so people are starting to to want to enjoy yeah. nature a bit in like, april? Yeah. We're, we're all over the bruce trail okay so, so you so you advertise hey and and i imagine in your in your marketing you're probably at different times of the year hey want a great time of year to go out and hike the bruce trail yeah uh, people, book your vacation now and by that point people are so bored people yeah. are like so sick of being inside like let's get out let's do something it's a little bit warmer so it's it's a good time to do going that. back to some of the marketing too in december one thing that we changed this year that i think has helped at the cottages is chelsea went and decorated them with christmas stuff mm-hmm. christmas tree that type of stuff took pictures of that People, and then it was like, how do something different for Christmas. So on a buy and sell page, you weren't thinking about booking a cottage, yeah. but you see this, you're like, oh, yeah. oh let's do this. Okay, yeah. 800 bucks for the weekend. We'll take the family up and we'll have Christmas there. Everything we need is there. So mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this. So, <laughs> uh, May, what do you think? May, is, is that going to be a little higher on that place? Yeah, oh, yeah. we're... Yeah. Five to six in May. Five to six thousand. So yeah. fit, we'll call it fifty-five hundred in May, yeah. uh, June. You're getting into summer now. What yeah. What do you see? Well, late spring. <sighs> I have to look at six to seven. Yeah, seven. 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 Because then summer would be about eight. Eighty-five. Eight, eighty-five. Yeah. So July, we're gonna say eighty-five hundred. Uh, August. I'm calculating month by month. I want to yeah. get a ballpark. Eighty-five again for for August. Uh, September probably slows a bit. It, honestly, it's very. Uh, I would say like eight. Eight thousand. Like yeah, a little bit. Like it's like it's seven. Maybe. Okay, yeah, yeah. seven. 7 to be fair, yeah. It, it, people who interesting with Wyerton. People who know Wyerton know that that's the warmest time for the water up. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. September, like I, the long weekend going into September, uh, was probably one of the only times I was in the water up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so October, still nice up there. Yeah, really nice. We did pretty well in October. Forty-five. Yeah. Forty-five. Uh, and then we've got November. That was not that was not a great one. No. Yeah, November's a depressing month. <laughs> it is. Two, two, no, yeah. two, 2,500? Yeah, maybe. Okay, so two, so yeah. looks like on the year this year, and maybe that's an anomaly, February sucked. Uh, no, January sucked. January sucked. January, January sucked. Sorry, my, my mistake. Yeah, so so I've got 12 months here. I want to see what do, we, what do we look like for uh, a sum total. So that's about 53,000. If we divide that by 12... So that's you're averaging forty four seventy five a month. Okay, so now that we've got that far, what did you buy the place for? Paid three twenty five in twenty in July twenty sixteen. Sorry, September twenty sixteen. Um, there was actually a change in ownership that happened this April, uh, where I, I owned it with my mom and sister. They sold their. Uh, interest in the property to buy the beachfront development okay. 
and my dad and stepmom and Chelsea bought in at that point. So okay, cur- currently the property is a hundred percent financed at four thirty, with a two seventy five vendor take back first mortgage from the initial person. So we're just gonna we're gonna simplify this. We're gonna call it four thirty and yeah. bought last year. Okay, uh, hundred percent finance. Yeah. So it's got a, a two seventy five VTB and then one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar HELOC from my my dad's house. So vendor take back mortgage VTB is what that means. And that's when the seller actually holds a mortgage back. So they don't get paid. They just, they get there. They basically be the bank for you. Uh, okay. So you bought it for 430. Uh, you guys had renovations into that. Not that one. We have not renovated. No renovations. Okay. So you're just, you're 430 all in. We'll call it. Yep. We'll just, we'll just call it that for simplicity. Uh, so your mortgage, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your cash flow then? If, if we're thinking, well, actually easier question. Yep. What are your total monthly obligations on that house average? 3000. So, so monthly obligations are about three thousand. That includes property tax, utilities, cleaning. insurance, cleaning, yep. everything. Okay, cleaning, uh, the hot tub maintenance. Uh, we have a uh, we we're, we do spend repair and maintenance budget. Uh, Chelsea's managing at, at this point, so there's not, not a management fee built into that price. But okay. going forward, she will be taking one. So average rent being the forty four seventy five uh, less the three thousand. Your average cash flow is about fifteen hundred a month. Um, you are you paying down your mortgage at all? Yeah, the, we're at three point nine nine on the first. Okay, so you're paying that down. Um, how big is that mortgage? It's two seventy five payments, thirteen eighty nine. I think we're recapturing about eight hundred of it right now. So we'll call that about three percent. So about fifty five hundred a year. Yep. Uh, so mortgage pay down. And I just simplify stuff. Yep, I don't no want to complicate it. Uh, and then we've got appreciation. So this property is going to go up in value. It's not a high appreciation area, but I would say two to three percent is going to be pretty standard. I think I think we're okay at three. The the realtor that we spoke with said that four thirty price that exchange hands at was low. So the three yeah. percent a year I think is is fairly waterfront okay. property is yeah. going up. So. So you're you're basically oh I gotta multiply your cash flow by twelve here. Your total return is thirty six thousand one hundred on a property that you have no investment into. You finance the whole thing, so infinity returns, which is your kind of your game. <laughs> that's that's the game you're in with this this uh, Burr model. Um, just wanted to show that what's possible. So I mean, just the fact that you're able to get into a property that could cash flow fifteen hundred dollars a month. You got in at 325, but let's say hypothetically somebody today went in at 430. Yep. Um, it's pretty amazing to be able to get 14, you know, 50 or 1500 a month on something at that price point yep. these days. Yeah, and it, and it's work. That is work. That, that, and that's the one thing with the cottage rental business that yeah. uh, some people get excited about. Multifamily, I believe, is more passive investing. Yeah. The cottage rent, rent, rental business, there is some passive component to it, but Chelsea works her. Can I say ass off on this? Yeah. <laughs> I'll beep it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, for YouTube. I beep it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. It it really is. It's a the you know almost a full time job on top of yeah. the already full time job that I have. So it's uh, it is it's rewarding and I I really enjoy it, but it's a lot of work. So yeah, so that was that was a question. Why, right? Like, I mean, you guys have probably already put yourself in a position where you, your retirement's taken care of. Now it's why why do more do you have a goal in mind um i like i just i really enjoy running like i would love to do like a a a motel or something like i love the it's more of like a hotel business kind of hospitality is enjoyable. yeah yeah yeah. i just think that that's um Mm -hmm. an enjoyable thing to do so i 
Yeah. I like it. I'm in the same boat. We, uh, I always wanted a cottage. Uh, it was always a goal of mine. And now that we have six, I want More. cottages all over the place now. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah. we talked about making Grand Bend our summer business and then doing the taking the same model down to the Caribbean over the wintertime and doing yeah. and then Love switching it. between places keep a condo in Kitchener where family is and have a spot in Grand Bend spot in the Caribbean and just yeah I'm with you yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to Sounds homeschool great. we're gonna have to homeschool <laughs> yeah so many people have have their reasons for for why why pursue it but it's so much better if you actually just enjoy the work right yeah. if it's kind of rewarding oh like it's so cool to put this together and see this this final product for me like I always loved the final like virtual tour on one of my rental properties and being able to show it to people and be like whoa that's amazing have the students walk in and be like, whoa, this is like the best rental I've ever seen. Um, to me, that's always been rewarding and the being creative part. So I actually just enjoy doing work for that reason. Um, there's lots of things about renovation business and, and getting into that that aren't so fun. But um, so you, you said you wanted to take this to, to the Caribbean. Um, I guess we should just before we get any deeper, we should see if we got any more questions that are relevant to this discussion. Lots about multi. OK, so terms to consider. So just jumping back to. Uh, the financing, obviously, you guys are applying the Burr model. Typically, I talk about that all the time on this show. For anyone who's not familiar, uh, just dig back into the earlier episodes. Uh, one through 10, we talk about it probably 70% of those episodes. Um, so Burr, you know, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, uh, repeat. When somebody's buying, we sort of touched on this. If it's a single family home versus a multiplex, if you were planning to Burr it, are you still thinking private money? If you're asking me about my business and what I would do, yeah. I acquire everything with private money. If you're asking as somebody who's just starting out in their first couple of deals, if they can get a conventional mortgage without, you know, because they don't have 10 other properties to show leases, property taxes, and all that stuff, if they can get a conventional mortgage, spend or do a renovation, and that same lender is going to refinance them, I'm all for saving money. If you if that if that's a if that makes the most sense, it's affordable for you. You qualify. I think that's fantastic. But there, there's a limit on that, and you need to be able to recognize when you're hitting that limit and move away from it. Because the first couple deals I did were absolutely that model: conventional close with a conventional lender, fixed them up, refinanced with the same lender. But as you're scaling, you just you, you got to yeah. recognize when it's time to move move on. Well, and one of the things I noticed, even a friend of mine mentioned to me, you know, going to his bank, he was having trouble getting the qualification for owning his own home. And he took a, a home equity line of credit out on his home to fund the down payment for his, his investment property he wanted to buy. And then being able to buy that investment property with no rental income because you want to renovate it. Um, some people are having trouble qualifying for the mortgage. It's all, it's all a matter of will the bank qualify you if you're carrying an extra property with no income, which when you buy, that's the case. Sure, when you go back to the bank, the most critical thing is going to be that you have a lease. So you do your renovation, you get it rented, then you go to the bank and say, hey, I have it rented, it has income. So now your appraiser can look and say, okay, fair market rent, yeah, we agree. And they'll, they'll say, yes, this is fair rent, uh, depending on the lender you work with. Um, so the one I typically work with typically wants the appraiser to say what's fair rent. Schedule A, right? Yeah, right. it kind of gets difficult when you're doing student rentals and they're talking about family r rental rate. Right. Uh, you know, because I'm getting like 5,500 a month and they're saying, well, 3,000 is reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so that hurts, right? It makes it hard to do student rentals. But so when you're thinking Burr, if it's a single family home, I think that, Kyle, would you agree? Uh, you can, however you want to go in, if you can qualify with the bank, sure. If you don't mind the extra headache. Uh, for me, where I'm at, where you're at, we're thinking privates yeah. because it's just easy. Yep. Easy to me, less stress, less things to think about. Let me focus on finding a deal, creating, creating value, winning. 
you know i would i would rather people will say that's twenty five thirty thousand dollars out of your bottom line i would rather negotiate twenty five or thirty thousand dollars off my next deal and or off the price or off the price yeah so yeah you yeah. might pay it to the lender but you might be able to literally take that off your price because you tell the guy you'll close in a week and you know your lender can do it yeah I mean, check with your broker first, <laughs> but, uh, but if you know the game, you have experience in this, you'll find you can get deals done and whatever you're paying odds are, if you're smart about it, you can save it. You can, you can find a way to create that value back. Uh, so I think that covers the structure. Um, one thing I'll add to this is we were talking about the commercial lending side, um, where I'm at from, from now on pretty much is looking at buying stuff in a corporation and then doing a commercial policy kind of mortgage over the whole thing so they're still individual properties but i'm putting them in commercial lending by having over five doors in total and i've talked to multiple lenders that will allow for that and again just lets me take the focus off of me so that i can focus on the portfolio and i don't get oh you have too many properties they're like please get more properties (laughs) which is a way more fun uh response definitely yeah so so that's kind of where my head's at and then that's what i was trying to ask you before whether or not i was clear about that uh, and I think you're on that standpoint too, that you're, you're just thinking big buildings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, that's, that's my focus. I like the numbers. I like the metrics on them. So, okay. So I'm getting some specific questions looking to know how best to approach seller financing and burr in the future. How do you approach seller financing? You got that vendor take back. I've gotten two. So I have two though. I have a 300, it was a, sorry, a 300 $295,000 vendor take back uh on the wireton property and then i got a million dollar vendor take back on the beachfront property so the 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 little bit of the story here the very first one um i tell everybody in my community that i'm a real estate investor i can buy properties i can close cash any condition so when the wireton property came to me it was a colleague at my at the time who referred me to the seller and i went to him and i look at the property i'm like oh this is great do you want to hold financing and he's like well i thought you closed cash i said i can but if you're able to hold financing, I could probably offer you a better price. If I'm going to pay cash, I need a significant discount on the property. So for him, he had a tax issue on the property. He bought it for a lot less. He was selling it for a lot more. Um, so I, I suggested that maybe you should talk to your accountant to see if this makes sense. He called me back the next day and his accountant said it was a, was a great idea. On the second, he, that same lender actually financed our second cottage he was our lender for that one. He charged us more than the yeah. VTB, yeah. but nonetheless, he still lent us another mortgage uh, and he's lending us another one again because we refi that. <laughs> so you made a friend. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. made a friend. Yes. <laughs> Good friend. Yes. Um, and then the, so the, with the, the million dollar vendor take back, it started off with, we were in the community. We talked to, the house got listed and we talked to a neighbor who told us a little bit about the seller. We found out that they didn't need the money. It, they weren't selling because they needed the cash. They were selling because they, uh, they didn't want to deal with the maintenance. So motivation of the seller is very important. Uh, we did we did that as a double offer. So you you gave him two options basically. Two right? offers. It was a hundred thousand dollars more if you'll hold financing, or a hundred thousand dollars less if we have to pay cash. Wow, and that was which property? That was the the Grand Bend vendor take back. The, the Grand Bend the, Beach. The big the, the million dollar buy. The million dollar buy or one point three million. A one point three list price. Uh, we bought it for one point one five. One point one five. Okay, um, that's. That's a brilliant uh, idea. I've heard that strategy a few times, never tried it, yep. the, the multiple offer. Um, I, I have this feeling that, because uh, I brought it up to people and they don't know what vendor takebacks are when I'm trying to negotiate deals, uh, have not successfully negotiated one yet. But uh, I have this feeling a lot of people don't know what they are. 
So how are you bridging that gap when, when you walk in? We worked with a we, we worked with a fantastic realtor on that deal who does have experience with it. Gotcha. So uh, and he's he saw something on that deal that he had never seen before. When we normally with a double offer, you submit the cash offer and the vendor take back offer. Normally, what happens is the seller comes back and they want the vendor take back price with <laughs> the cash condition. Yeah. This guy signed both offers back. Oh, that's not supposed to happen. It's not so. He didn't care. He's like for an extra hundred grand. I'll lend you a million dollars for, but for a hundred grand less, if you're, if I get my million dollars, I can invest that my own way yeah. and make that hundred grand. So he didn't really care the, where we were, um, the other thing that we do is we offer in, we're in our offers, we're willing to pay up to $400 to have our non-refundable to have our offer reviewed by your accountant. So if you just take my offer for a vendor take back, I will pay you $400 to, to go to pay your accountant to fully review and see if this makes sense. Wow. And if you decide not to take it, no problem. You keep my 400 bucks. Wow. So you're, you probably offer that at a point where you know this person's at least seriously considering your offer. Yes. And it's creating credibility that you're, yeah. that you're not scared to have this looked at by accountant or yeah. lawyer. So it's not sketchy. Yeah. Well, a lawyer has to has to draft it all, right? Yes. So in Ontario, we have what's called standard mortgage terms. So when you when you agree to a private mortgage, um, your lawyers will take care of all the standard mortgage terms, draft up the docs, and then when you close, they'll they'll put it all into force. Uh, what parts are you negotiating on the offer? Like you're putting in, you probably have a pre drafted little blurb that you're using. Uh, what are you including as you know key fundamental terms? So we interest rate. Yeah. Length and amortization. And amount, right? And, and amount. The, yeah. Those that would be the four main things. Uh the one thing that they came back with is they wanted a personal the only thing that they were concerned about is they wanted a personal net worth statement. Okay. And list of properties and the, a personal guarantee. So they wanted to know who I was, yeah, how much I was worth. I'm borrowing a million dollars for you. Yeah. Do I have a million dollars anywhere else? So they yeah. wanted to see that type of stuff. And that's where that's that's lawyers. No offense to lawyers. I do like lawyers <laughs> when they're working for me. Uh, <laughs> lawyers seem to complicate things a little bit sometimes but they're hey that that's that's their purpose right they're there to protect their clients and and uh so you got to understand that when you're doing deals you really do so um okay that's uh like the the gold nuggets in this episode have have been exceptional do either of you well i guess we'll just kind of take it one by one uh chelsea why don't you want to why don't you tell me your big gold nugget or, or the main thing you'd like to tell to investors who are trying to push to the next step. Maybe they want to get into multi, maybe they want to do vacation rentals. What's what's your advice to them? Um, oh geez, that's a hard question. Like a big takeaway. A, like big, a big takeaway. Big lesson you've learned over your your years as an investor. <laughs> well the biggest one I've learned is that you don't need to live in every house <laughs> that, that you buy. Um that was kind of my like more consumer mindset, I guess, when I was uh, like initially going into it, thinking that you, you know, it was bad to rent to rent a property, but like you know, I just I've gotten so much further mm-hmm. not having my primary residence and this, you know, even if I could afford it, a big house, just living in that yeah. um, and just, you know, renting where we live is, has kind of changed my my life. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, um, that's that was that's my biggest thing. I've oh, learned. So, so renting out the, the lower <laughs> unit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like um, having the Airbnb in the basement has like you know, not having to pay a mortgage is, is pretty nice. <laughs> I, I've been trying to convince Jordan to do this with me. And she, uh, 
she hasn't been into the idea. Yeah. So. Well, it was, it's hard. Like I never really, I even before when I'd look at like duplexes, I never wanted to live. I always thought, oh, I don't want to live with somebody like below me and that kind of thing, yeah. you know, or above me same, or whatever. And, but it's, it's just made such a big difference. And now we're actually able to, to afford to be able to move to, you know, build our, our dream house, I guess, and, and have that space on our yeah. own. So yeah, it's just like that period of being somewhat uncomfortable to be able to get to that point. Yeah, so you do find it a little bit of a sacrifice to live with the uh, the basement unit occupied. Yeah, I, I guess. So you, to be honest, I actually don't mind it at all anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like we think that people judge us for it. Like yeah. it's more in our yeah. head. Our head, like you have all these properties, you have, you know, you, you're doing all these rentals. We know how much you charge for a week in your cottage. And you guys live in this like rent, like this not very nice house. And we've... Yeah. We, and but we watch people who are overextending themselves to buy this massive house yeah. and they haven't got their investments taken care of they haven't got their retirement taken care of so yeah i think uh we we, we joke all the time that, that when there's noise coming out of the basement apartment we're like well they're paying for the place so yeah <laughs> so true though. yeah so true i mean i i have no issue with that i've, I've actually never owned my own home always rented uh, so that I could buy investment properties because it worked out better for my mortgage situation mm-hmm. right. to to not own. You know? Yeah, so, I just I feel like there's like a little bit of a stigma behind yeah. that and like what people what you think that people think anyways, but it's yeah. just it's it's silly. I try not to worry too much about what people think. Yeah, but <laughs> everyone does at least a little, but yeah. Uh, yeah. but you know being able to tune it out at the right time is 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 mm-hmm. key. Yeah, so. Um, Kyle, same same thing. Like, what 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 would you want to tell our our listeners and viewers? Build a team. Don't do this on your own. Yeah. Uh, find find the people that can support you and and uh, uh, to 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 grow. Um, and uh, uh, don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait. To, there's no. Uh, so many people are looking for the perfect deal, the perfect property every time. Time in the market. You know the all the classic cliches. Don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Yeah. That type of stuff. Find a deal that works for your end goal. Um, so begin with the end in mind. Know what your know what your why is. Know what you're trying to accomplish in real estate. If it's replacing income, don't buy deals that aren't replacing your income. Very good advice, right? Yeah, all these people who get carried away. Well, why are you investing in the first place? Yeah, what's the reason? What's the reason? If you're if you're trying to replace your income, pre-construction condos are a great investment. They're not income replacing. They're not monthly cash flow coming in. They so, could be income reducing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great advice. Um, okay. So if people would like to get in touch with you, what's, uh, what's the best way? What is it, Email? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you want Instagram, you want an email, you want phone numbers. You, you tell me. Bremac real estate, uh, Bremac real estate.com. Uh, Kyle at Bremac real estate.com is my okay. email address. So I'll uh, get you to just shoot me that in a text or something. Yeah, gotcha. That's I got and, it. Yeah. And, uh, and then check out the cottages at sovacayrentals.com. And yeah. And then yeah. I also, with my uh, interior design business, it's Simply Paradise Home Staging and Design. So you can find me on Instagram. Simply Paradise way. is the yeah, handle? Yeah, Simply Paradise. And that's kind of an ode to the the whole idea of like living in paradise and, and uh, yeah. having that sort of lifestyle. So. Clever marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nails it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nails it again. Um, yeah, okay. So um, outside of all this real estate fun, is uh, is there a hobby that uh, that you guys engage in together? Like uh, things that you do outside when you're not talking about real estate? Oh, when's that? <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> travel. travel. Travel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we we yeah. love to travel. Uh, we just did Europe this summer. Yeah. Uh, we want to. We, we love the Caribbean. We're down there all the time. Um, I love golf, snowboarding, hockey. 
Any, oh, okay. Uh, all the all the classic Canadian stuff. Um, that's it. And then, uh, yeah, we love yeah. food too. Food, yeah, food's a big one. Skip the dishes. Yeah. We're big big fans of skip the dishes. <laughs> Several days a week. It's bad. Yeah, unfortunately, we are too. <laughs> We're both vegan though, so we have we have like three main options here. Okay. It's a little, right. little the, the options get uh, worn out fairly yeah. quickly. So yeah. I'm encouraging uh, people to come to Burlington and start uh, plant based restaurants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are getting into that business, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I really appreciate you coming down. This was fun, super informative. I know our listeners and viewers are going to get a lot out of this and if they didn't they weren't listening so <laughs> listen to it again watch it again guys it was uh and and give them some love go follow them um and uh yeah we'll uh we'll see you guys in the next one thanks for having us Andrew. thank you yeah. thanks for watching today's episode just a friendly reminder to please rate and review this podcast on itunes if you're watching on youtube make sure that you smash the like and subscribe and notification bell uh and also leave a comment and hey while you're at it why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help it helps this podcast grow and i would really appreciate it thanks again we'll see you on the next episode